Welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. I'm Kendra Swalls, a former teacher turned entrepreneur and mom of two. As women, we hear so much more than just one thing. We're wives, moms, entrepreneurs, side hustlers, and dreamers with goals and ambition. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from juggling family, work, and fun to making your dreams a reality through simple, effective marketing strategies, all designed specifically for the busy mom who doesn't have a lot of extra time. So whether you're just getting started or already have an established business, there's something here for you. If you're ready to take on the challenge of becoming your own boss and making your dreams a reality, then let's get started because this girl means business. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Business Besties. These these episodes are one of my favorite uh, episodes to, to do every month with, with my business bestie, Kendra Swalls, because even though she is in a different state 99% of the year, uh, we've been able to try and meet up pretty regularly this past year to, to do our podcasts together in person. So we are recording together once again. I'm Katie Brinkley, and these episodes are designed to kind of help navigate the world of entrepreneurship, business, mindset, and some of our favorite social media marketing tips for you uh, to help level your business, level your business up and take it to that next step. Kendra, you know, we've been in our last episode, we did a deep dive into the Instagram bio. And we were planning on talking about just how to optimize your bio, but we there was some basics that we needed to cover before we even went into those 150 characters of the Instagram bio. Um, so let's just do a quick recap of what we talked about in the last episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So talking about the bio in the last episode, we talked about your Instagram handle and how to decide whether you should have your handle be your business name, your personal name, kind of what your goals are with your account and how that affects what you decide to do as your Instagram handle. And then we talked about that title, that name line, that bolded line at the top of your bio and how to optimize that for SEO because your Instagram handle and that named line, that title line are searchable inside of Instagram. So you want to be using keywords that people are going to be looking for so that they find you when they're searching for those things on Instagram. And then the last thing we talked about was your profile photo and the fact that people want to connect with the person and the face behind a brand. So hiding behind a logo or having, you know, a really generic image, a stock image, or an image that's, you know, landscape really far away, not showing off who you are as the brand is not helping your audience to connect with you. They want to have a face to go with the brand. So those were kind of the three things we talked about that are sort of the top part. As you, If you're looking at Instagram bio and you're dividing it into two parts, you get the top part. And then the part we're going to talk about today, which is those characters, um, that 100, what did you say, 50 or 80? I always forget what it's the exact number 150 is. characters in the, in the bio and 80 in okay. the name field. And, and Kendra, as a former photographer, um, I, I, well, and, and there's, there's no secret for those who are regular listeners of the podcast. You know, you are not camera shy at all, girl. You have some of the best reels out there. Um, but yours truly, I, it, it does take a little bit of uh, courage to, to step in front of the camera 
but that's when everything for my business changed was when I started stepping in front of the camera and producing more content, putting my face out there. I just want to talk about the picture a little bit before we dive into those, those 150 characters here, because a lot of people who listened to the last episode might be saying like, okay, well, that's fine for you, but I don't have professional headshots. Uh, I, I don't have, uh, I don't even know how to record reels. I don't even know like really like how to get all these pictures that you're talking about to put into my feed. Stock imagery is all that I can get my hands on right now. And as somebody that's a former photographer, Kendra, I would just love to know what some tips are for you, uh, for them from you as, as they maybe make those steps into putting their face on the, out there in the social media world a little bit more. Yeah. So, okay. A couple of things here and I could go on for this forever. So I'll keep it as brief as possible, but I would say starting off is baby steps. So we're not asking you to go from a hundred percent stock photography and a logo as your profile photo to every post and everything is your face. That's a lot. That's, you know, dumping into the deep end. I'm asking you to take like one step into the water and then slowly ease in. And I did this with my Instagram account. And actually, if you can, if you scroll all the way back, um, which I did recently, it's a little ways back, but you will see a shift, a very clear shift from one style to the next. But what you'll notice is I didn't go in and like, again, post everything with me in it. It was, I changed my profile photo. And then I changed to where I had like one post a week, had me as the photo in the, you know, on the the post or the graphic. And then one reel where like I was kind of in it, but I was lip syncing. So it's not something you have to like go a hundred percent in on. You just have to take little steps. So um, when it comes to step one, which I would say is your profile photo, because that's an easy one to kind of capture the photo. It's static. You're not having to record yourself on video. You're not having to get a bunch of different photos for all these different content pieces. It's one headshot image. And I will say there is something to be said about hiring a photographer for your headshot. You can typically find headshot branding specific photographers that are not super expensive. Um, But if that is still not something in your budget, or you're like, I don't have time to schedule a photo shoot and have headshots done. I will say a quick tip too, is if you are getting family photos done for the holidays, ask your photographer, Hey, will you snap a quick headshot of me? I promise you, they will always agree to do that. But if you're wanting to do this on your own, You can do this really easily. Our phones are so well-equipped these days to take incredible photos. Um, I mean, sometimes better than the ones that even like new professional photographers will take. Get your phone, set it up on a tripod or set it on the ledge. You want to make sure that you are, the main thing is lighting. You want to make sure you have good lighting because the worst thing you can do is have a photo, one, that's been taken with like a flash on your phone. That's not great lighting. Or two, it's dark lighting or lighting where like you're, you're standing with a big window behind you and like the, all the lights coming behind you and it looks like you have a halo around you and your face is really dark. So find a place in your house or go onto a patio where the light is coming in and hitting you. Even if this means you're just taking a selfie and if you, I mean... I'm not a huge fan of like put a bunch of filters on, but if it helps you feel more comfortable to put one photo out as your profile photo, if you want to slap a, a, you know, a really light filter on top of it, go ahead and do that. That's totally fine. As long as it's not one of those ones that like makes you look like a completely different person. 
But set your phone up on a tripod, use it as like a selfie or put it on a ledge somewhere, set a little timer and just take a couple photos at different angles. I always say for women, the best angle is just slightly above your eye line. And so you're kind of looking up as opposed to looking straight on or down. And then again, just the lighting needs to be really good. You need the light coming onto your face and you want that profile photo to be you looking into the camera. There is research that's been done that says that people connect better with a photo where it looks like they're looking you in the eyes. So I see a lot of times where people will be like, well, I don't like the way I look in photos. So I'm going to do one where I'm like looking off and laughing. And that's fine if that's what you feel the most comfortable with starting off. But people are going to connect with your photo even more if they can make eye contact with you in the image. The great thing about taking the photos yourself is you have complete control. So if you take a photo and you go through the pictures you took and you're like, "Ugh, I don't like any of these, delete them and do it again. You know, you're not, you're not waiting for a photographer to edit them and send them back to you to realize that like, Oh, I don't really like that angle or my hair wasn't looking just right. Like you're in complete control. So just practice, 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 practice until you find lighting angles and, you know, kind of the overall aesthetic that you really want And then, you know, crop it in close up and put it as your profile photo. So again, just baby steps, get used to being in front of the camera, get used to seeing yourself in front of the camera, like on, in photos. That's one of the biggest things a lot of women have trouble with is it's not actually the taking of the photo. It's getting comfortable with, with seeing what we're seeing in the actual image. And so there's a whole like psychology that goes in behind it. I won't get into all that, but just kind of start with a simple little step, change your profile photo, get good with taking pictures of yourself, and then you can go from there. So I know that was a little bit of like a rabbit hole tangent, but <laughs> hopefully that's helpful. It is. And I think that, you know, we we think like, oh, well, I, 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 I need to pay for headshots or branding. I mean, but there are ways to, to do it affordably. It's, with what you said too, good lighting, a lot to be said about good lighting. Um, the the photo that I currently have on my Instagram uh, picture and my Facebook picture is is actually a selfie. It was a day that I paid a branding photographer to come out and take pictures of me, which makes it even more ironic. But the picture I took, she was like, "Hey, go ahead and take a selfie of yourself." And so I took a selfie of myself. We were out in great lighting, um, and sometimes uh, you'll see that photo show up on different website assets and, and lead magnets that I have. But uh, the the one that's on my social media is actually the selfie that I was taking and just because you're out in good lighting. So don't disregard the use of a selfie um, when you are out in good lighting. Now, let's dive in to the importance of the bio. Now, I, I, I kind of alluded to this in the last episode when I said, you know, you only have 150 characters to clearly state what it is that you do, who you help, why you, and what you want them to do, what your call to action is. So uh, let's let's dive into that that topic right now because it it sounds like it can be overwhelming, but uh, it's it's really trying to figure out wordsmithing and emojis are your friend that you can use emojis if need be. Um, and one of the things that I use just because I don't want to be testing any of this in the actual Instagram app itself and then potentially save it and then not be able to update my my bio for, for days or whatever. I use just charactercounttool.com and I wordsmith my bio right in there. And it tells you how many word, how many characters you are 
using uh, for for whatever it is that you're writing, and then you can just copy and paste it on over. So with that said, Kendra, let's talk a little bit about the that that what it is I do statement because it can be hard. I think that a lot of people are like, oh well, how do I differentiate myself from all the other people out there that are doing what I do? I'm not special, you know. But really, there is something about you that will help you either stand out as that that industry leader, that thought leader, that go-to person for that industry, or something about you that is your unique identifier. So if you're a realtor, you know, let's just say you've been selling homes. Let's say you've been a real estate agent for 20 years, uh, but you might have lived in San Antonio and Seattle, and you just recently, you, you moved to Denver about six years ago. And actually, you uh, You've been specializing in a certain area of Denver, you know, for the past five years. So let's say you specialize in the Park Hill area, which is a a downtown area, downtown Denver neighborhood. You can say that you are a park Denver realtor specializing in park in the Park Hill market. Does that mean that you can't help people throughout the greater Denver area? No. But people who are looking for that specific location or that specific neighborhood, they're like, oh, they specialize in this neighborhood. I, I absolutely want to work with them because they know all the ins and outs. They know all the best, the best restaurants. They know the best uh, schools. They know if this is a busy street or not because they specialize in this neighborhood. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. Well, yeah, and I like to think about it too. Like, I And this happened a lot with me in photography because I would have photographers all the time that were like, well, I don't want to just say that like, I only photograph families because what if someone wants to have headshots done? Or what if somebody wants me to photograph like an event or, you know, some specialty thing? I don't want to feel like I can't. And that's the thing is like, it's, it's not that you're saying that you, that you can't do those things. It's just saying like, this is what I am really good at. This is what I know the most about. This is my specialty. And you think about that, like, if you, I always use, like, this example with doctors. If I were to go and, like, have something happen to, like, 
earache. Like I have a really terrible earache and I'm probably not going to, I mean, like my general doctor might be able to help me some, but I want to go to a specialist, someone who's going to be able to specifically understand the inner workings of the ear to help me feel better. I'm not just going to go Google doctors in my area. I'm going to Google somebody who specializes in helping me get rid of my ear pain. The same thing goes with your, um, you know, your industry or the niche that you've picked is you want to be able to say like, this is what I'm really good at. This is what I love doing. This is, or these are the people I want to really work with. You know, the idea of the real estate agent, I have a friend in my area who is a real estate agent and they, she and her husband are a team and they specialize in helping first time home buyers navigate the waters of buying their first home. It doesn't mean that they don't have people coming to them that are, you know, seasoned home buyers that are relocating for work or whatever, but their specialty is they really have kind of cornered the market when it comes to we know how to help first time home buyers navigate the things that they don't know. We know how to share information in a certain way. We know how to show them certain, you know, aspects of home buying process. And that is going to help set you apart because if there is somebody who's like, I've never bought a home before and they go on Instagram and they type in realtors in their area and you pop up and it says, I help first time home buyers navigate the chaos of buying your first home. I'm going to be like, yes, that's who I want on my side, as opposed to realtor Susie, who is just a tip, you know, all she has on there is I help people buy homes. Like having that niche statement in your bio is what's going to help people go, this is my person. Like these are my people. <laughs> and so I always like to say, if you're starting off with like redoing your bio or you are not sure where to start with like creating this is I want you to create an, um, like I help blank to do blank by blank. So it's like a Mad Libs. You're going to fill it in. So like, who are you helping? So I help first time home buyers with what I help first time home buyers with navigate the process of buying their first home. And how do I do that? By simplifying the process. Or, you know, you can refine this. This is where, like you said, like, don't go typing this into your Instagram bio right away. Put it in a Word doc. Put it in a notes file. Put it somewhere where you can kind of, like, play around with it and figure out what sounds best and what fits. But if you're, if someone's coming to your bio and they see that first little sentence that says, you know, what it is that you do and who you how, who you serve, they're going to immediately know this is someone for me. Or they may be like, meh not really for me, like I'm not in that type of bracket or whatever, but, and that's totally fine. It's okay. If your bio statement turns people off, you want that to happen. And I think that too, Kendra, it's, it's how, when those new people, if you've just posted a reel and you're like, oh man, this is great. I got like 6,000 views on this reel. Uh, I didn't get any followers. Well, let's take a look at your bio. Was it in alignment with what the real was about? And this is where a lot of times like, yes, it can be so hard not to just go ahead and do 100% of what is trending with the audio sounds, but you can still use a trending audio as long as you relate it back to what it is that you do or who you serve. Uh, because that that's, that is where like, oh, okay, this, this person might be for me. This is a funny reel, or I totally agree with that. I'm going to go check out their profile. And if, your, your reel is not uh, in alignment with what you say in your, your Instagram bio. They're, they're not going to understand that they should follow you. So 
if you're a location-based business, like a realtor, or uh, if you have a physical location, you're a photographer where you specialize like in, you know, like headshot photography throughout, uh, you know, the greater Denver area, that should be in the bio. But if you're not, if you can serve somebody anywhere, this is where it comes into how long you've been doing something. What is your authority builder? So for me, mine is 18 plus years. So I've been doing the social media thing for a while. Um, and, and that's, that's my differentiator. Honestly, and it which is crazy because you're only 25. I know, I'm only 25. As my daughter says, she's, she's I, I, she is starting to do the math. She's like, wait, mom, if you're 28, how and daddy's 39, how kind of like, oh man, <laughs> and I'm eight years old and you were 30 when you got married. No, anyways, yeah, it, she's starting to be able to do math. But this this whole 18 year statement, this was something that I shied away from at the beginning, and the reason behind it was because I was like, ah, well, you know, I wasn't getting paid for it, which I wasn't. I was not being paid to help bands with their social media because at the time that wasn't a thing. No, nobody was getting paid to, to do social media at that time, unless you worked at MySpace or unless you worked at the Facebook, which is what it used to be called. Nobody was getting paid. And, but for me, my payment was in concert tickets. It was in getting free merch from the bands. It was by talking to them and building relationships with them. I was still doing a lot of these strategies and navigating things and trying to figure out the best ways to do them, but I wasn't getting paid. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I feel comfortable saying that. And when I worked in corporate, I was doing this, but it was in a corporate role. So it was just an in addition to, I was not just doing social media. Again, times have changed. I've still been doing it for over 18 years and I've been learning as all these new social media platforms come out. I mean, we don't even need to go into Vine and and Snapchat and uh, Blab, but I mean, like, this is where, like, I've seen the new social medias come out as they've been out and tried to learn the best strategies around them. There's nothing to shy away from. So take what, what you do, how long have you been applying it for your business? And you can use that as that differentiator of, I've been doing it for this this long and that can be your your uh why you statement stay with us we'll be right back hey photographers are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet growing a business is tough you're following all the successful photographers and experts soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance, but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one office hours, where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. 
And then there's the community where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passion, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. Yeah, and I think if you're someone who's just starting out and you don't feel like you have that experience, you can also look at like what what is it that's going to help people to feel confident against the, you know, the no like, and trust piece, what's going to help them to trust what you are capable of doing. So it can be how long you've been doing something. It could be, you know, have you, are, do you have certifications in certain things? Do you, um, you know, have you won awards? I know like for me with my photography business, I could put in there, like I've been published in, in wedding and, you know, nationalized wedding, wedding magazines. I've, you know, speaking at these different conferences, things like that. So anything that's going to give you some credibility. Now I will say this is where that 150 character piece comes in because you, again, you only have a certain amount of space. And so you want to decide what is going to be most important to you. So here's a couple of things that I see people doing in the same kind of realm that I feel like are maybe some mistakes they're making. And one of them kind of goes back to that idea of the certification thing. So let's say, for example, that you are a, you know, yoga instructor and you have, um, all of these certifications within the yoga industry, putting those in your bio are, is only going to be beneficial if it means something to your audience. Yes. So I see people doing this all the time and they'll put like, MPCDAPLQ certified. Well, I have no clue what that means. Like, and again, I totally made that up just in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> I was going to say, wasn't, it wasn't what kind of certification that is? <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you put some crazy certification that means nothing to the everyday user in your niche, then that doesn't make any sense. Like save that for your website, save that for other pieces of content you know, put that into a post feed explaining why it's important that you have this certification. But because that bio is so limited, you want to really make sure that you are prioritizing the things that are going to matter to your audience. Because I, and again, I'm thinking of a specific example of a client or someone I saw do this where they were an online kind of fitness person and they did, they had like, um, online fitness training. And then the next three lines were like these lettered certifications that I'm looking at it going, I don't know what this means. And the only people that's going to appeal to or attract to are other industry experts. And that's not who your audience is. That's not who your account is trying to draw in. So just be selective and kind of go, okay, what, what can I put in this space that I have that is going to make the biggest impact on the audience. So you have to think about like, put yourself in their shoes a little bit. Don't use terminology that doesn't make sense to them. You know, as an industry, like, again, I'll go back to the photography thing. There are words that photographers use that the everyday person isn't necessarily using. Even something as simple as like, um, 
now I'm going to draw a blank on what, but like editing tools, you know, like, um, maybe you talk about how like you're Adobe certified in something or whatever. Well, that doesn't mean anything to the audience. So just making sure you're choosing the words that are going to make sense to your audience. Yeah. And I think that too, with this, it, and and, and, and you know, you're saying all these different words there are, you know, for like a yoga, someone that's their certificate certifications and stuff. If you're a doctor or a dentist, I do think that you do need to have some of their, your certifications in there, but just remember, this is very valuable real estate here in the bio. So if you are not able to clearly get out there who you serve, what you do, the why you with all those certifications, just pick the one that make that most people will understand PhD or whatever it is, pick the one that most people will understand. And then I want to move into the final important piece of the bio. Now, with this, hang on. Before we get there, can we can I talk about a couple, like just a handful of other things that I see people doing yes. that I want to clarify? Yes. So two other, well, okay, a couple other little mistakes. And I'll be really brief. One, please stop using the crazy fonts yes. that nobody can read. <laughs> Well, and, I and know that, that they like look fancy, but they can't. <laughs> so ahead. screen readers can't read them that. I yes. mean, like they look fancy, but if they're, if somebody is looking at it for that's a nice say looking at it, if somebody is listening to it because they're visually impaired or they're, or they are blind and they still like to blind people still like to use Instagram too. And that's where the alt text is really important to all that stuff. That's, that's a whole nother discussion. But I mean, if you're putting all that fancy font in there, I should try and find a way to, to play it in this this podcast episode here because it it doesn't come out like you think it does. It'll come out like yeah. squiggly seven two two, and like it, it sounds really weird and messed up, and people are, are not going to want to follow you because it, they're not going to understand what what it is that you're trying to say. Exactly, and and it just it's hard to read. It's it's not as attractive and as eye catching as you might think that it is when it became like a trend. So let's avoid those. I know you mentioned earlier, like using emojis, I would just say use them sparingly because again, this is very limited real estate. And if you're taking up, you know, a third of your con your characters with emojis, it's a little bit much. So only use them, you know, maybe either as bullet points or to replace a, a word or two, if you need the extra character space. The other thing I will say is you don't want to direct people away from your bio. And I Mm -hmm. see this happening a lot is I will see people either putting a, like a link to, or not a link to, but like they'll mention another account. So let's say that like all of mine's in one, but let's just say that I had an account that was Kendra Swalls. And then I had my girl means business account. If I'm trying to get people to follow me as Kendra Swalls, but I put in my bio host of the at girl means business podcast. And it links to that other page. They're going to click on that to see what it is before they probably follow my account. And then they go down this rabbit hole and they're not going to go back. So we don't want to drive people away. The same thing with like, I see people putting hashtags in their bio. If someone clicks on that hashtag, it's going to take them to a hashtag hub and the likelihood of them coming back to your bio to follow you are slim. So unless it's branded specifically for your business, which is a whole different topic, I would just say avoid using anything that takes people outside of your bio. You want them to read your bio, 
we'll get to the link in a second, but then you want them to click follow. So anything that distracts them or takes them away from there, I would say, let's keep that out of there. So those are kind of my like cautionary things to avoid when it comes to your bio. And last but not least, uh, as far as cautionary things, try to be concise with these, with this statement, because you are allowed up to, again, 150 characters, but then you also have only four lines before the fifth line gets hidden. So if you're doing bullet points of like, you know, Denver area realtor for 15 years and like bulleting these out into lines with your, you know, your, your statement, your, uh, of who you are, what you do, why you, if you're bulleting those out and not putting them into an actual sentence, and they go into five lines, that fifth line gets hidden. So it's a waste of space. Um, so try and get it within to four lines. And that's where the fourth line should always be your call to action. You need to tell people what it is that you want them to do with that link. That link is super duper important. Now, if you are not a webmaster and you uh, you you can't make a specific page on your website like Miss Kendra May has um, with, with just your Instagram links. There is a tool called Linktree. Kendra has a whole podcast episode about Linktree versus sending them to a website. Um, <laughs> but I mean, for, for those of us that are not, don't have the capabilities to utilize uh, a website and build our own landing page, a Linktree is great because you can use three or four links in there telling people other different ways to work with you. Yeah. So again, I'm of the school of like, I do have a page on my website. Um, if you have a website builder, a lot of times they'll have templates now that you just add to your website and you it becomes a templated link. The nice thing about using a link on your own uh, website is that now you are getting that website traffic and you are getting that SEO for your website, which is really helpful. But again, if you are not super tech savvy, if that is not something you want to spend your time and energy on, Linktree, there's, you know, I think there's one called Milkshake that's really cool that I've seen people use. There's a ton of options out there. A couple of really quick little kind of thoughts and tips on the link really quick and then we'll wrap up is you want to make sure that if you have a link, whether it's on your website or through Linktree or something else, that you're not adding like 20 different links. You want it to be simple. Kind of think of it as like your main go-to. So like your number one lead magnet, maybe you have a link to a contact form or your podcast or your website, but you want to keep it really simple because I've seen some of these where I click on it and I have to scroll like three times on my phone to see all the links. And I'm like, I don't even know, like a lot of it's like affiliate links for this or try this thing and get 50% off. And I'm like, no, I just came here for whatever your post was about. (laughs) Like, I don't need all this other stuff. It's too much. And a confused mind doesn't take action. So you want to make sure the links in that link in your bio are really simple. Um, The other thing I'll touch on here is you want to make sure that the links that you are sending people to are actually working links. (laughs) Because again, this is all things I've seen happen. And it's very frustrating when I see someone post about something and I'm like, oh, I really want to go check that out. I go to their link tree or the link in their bio and it's not up to date. And so either the thing isn't there at all 
it's outdated links that they have, you know, on there. Or when I do click on it, it takes me someplace else or it gives me like an error message. So you just want to make sure because people are not going to go spend the time to search and find what it is that you've told them about in your post or your reel or wherever. So make it really, really simple. Keep the link simplified and then make sure all of your links are actually linking to the things that you want them to go to. Very well put. And I, I think that too, with this link tree, link in bio, don't overwhelm them. Like you said, keep keep it simple. You know, three, four max links in there. And if you're like, I don't even know if I need to have more than one link, then tell then send them to the most important page on your website where you can track and see, hey, am am I getting new customers from Instagram? Am I getting clicks from Instagram? Make it a page that you can see actionable results come from. I always recommend having a lead magnet uh, just so that you can continue growing your email list so you're not building your audience on rented land. But that fourth line needs to tell people what's in it for them. Get my five free tips to selling in the DMs with an arrow pointing down. Uh, Get your new uh, email builder from Kendra click down, you know, but whatever, uh, for free, but what are free email templates with an arrow pointing down, whatever it is, tell people why they want to click that link. And I promise you, you are going to start seeing more website traffic and more email opt-ins. Yeah, I agree. And I will say too, just, I keep saying last thing, I keep thinking of new things. I like, again, this is, I could talk about this forever, but Instagram is also testing the option to have multiple links in your bio. But even if you've heard that rumor, even if maybe you're one of the people that has the option to test that out, just know that it's not going to be like where you have five different links available. That main link still needs to be your main link. Even if you get the option from Instagram to add multiple links later on, it's going to it's that first link that like she was saying, the call to action, grab your free email kit here with an arrow and that first link, it that's still going to be like priority number one. So you want to make sure that you have that as your prime thing. And then with the, maybe the future onset of multiple links in bio, that'll be a new episode in the future, but that's where you can kind of play around with putting in other things if you have that option. Um, But you want to utilize that link in bio because that's what, if somebody goes to your content, they're going to come back to that link in bio. So make sure that it is meeting all the things that we have talked about so far in this episode. That is a lot. I mean, and it it was kind of funny because when we were, we're sitting here in steamboat, uh, you know, our favorite mountain getaway to kind of sit down and really digest 2022, what we want to work on for 2023, sitting down, talking about podcast episodes, uh, doing some workshops together, the two of us. And, We've decided on this podcast episode in addition to a few other ones, and we started recording and I was like, man, this needs to be two episodes. And that, and re- we've talked for over an hour just about the Instagram bio. So I hope after listening to part one and now part two, you realize that, yes, that, I mean, this is just, it's not just a set it and forget it thing. You should go in and check out your bio 
at least once a quarter, if not once a month, because you you know updating your your links in your link tree or on your website that are attached to the link in your bio, you should just give it a little bit of attention every now and then because there's a lot of things that go into it, a lot of marketing that goes into it, and if you're saying, oh, Instagram just doesn't work for me, let's start over. Let's start at the basics and see what quick adjustment and tweaks can be made that might just be that difference maker on getting more people to click that oh so important follow button thank you so much for joining us today i hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as i did and as always you can find any links or resources mentioned in today's show down in the show notes and if we're not friends outside of the podcast yet then what are you waiting for come find me on instagram at girl means business send me a DM letting me know what you thought of today's episode or any of the past episodes you've listened to. You can also take a screenshot of today's episode and post it to your stories tagging at Girl Means Business and I'll give you a shout out on my page. I love connecting with you and hearing all about your business and can't wait to get to know you more. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will meet you back here next week, same time, same place.